The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, you can open to John chapter 15. Before we jump in, I want to invite you to two things. Uh, next Sunday, we're celebrating Fifth Sunday Fun Day. So historically, whenever we've had a fifth Sunday in the month, we've not had regular service. And instead, we've invited all of the families of Christ Church to come out to one all-day event. It's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And we'd love for you to be there. It's, it's geared towards the kids so they can play and have a good time. And parents can be a little less distracted and can enjoy time together through fellowship and connecting. We're going to feed everybody this time. And since it's fall, we're going to do a big fall festival. So there'll be lots of stuff for the kids to do. So next Sunday, no regular services, nine to one. And I invite friends. It's a great opportunity to get neighbors and friends and people who aren't used to church to come to an event. And um, it kind of opens the door for them to, to come and realize that Christians aren't weird and church isn't scary. And so come on out next Sunday for a fifth Sunday fun day. And then um, on the following Sunday, November 5th, that evening, we are hosting a benefit concert, worship night, for our mission partners, United for the Least. These are our missionaries to Central Asia. They've done incredible work ending Bible poverty, setting up houses of prayer, seeing conversions and churches established in Afghanistan, Tajikistan, the Middle East. And so we wanna get behind what they're doing. And so this is an event for us to come be generous, but we're also bringing in Upper Room Dallas here to Port Orange, and they're gonna lead us in a night of worship. And so that's happening Sunday night. It is a ticketed event because there's only so much space and so if you want to be a part of that and you want to support um, our mission partners, United for the Least, you can go to their website, unitedforthelease.org. You can register there. You can find that uh, link through our events page on our website. If you go to the calendar on November 5th, you'll see that event. You can register there. And then uh, we're going to come together and just enjoy some time in the Lord's presence and then just prepare to give generously for the mission uh, in Central Asia and the Middle East. And so uh, if that's something that God's stirring in your spirit, please follow up and, and register for that before it fills up. Okay, John chapter 15. You guys have your Bibles or some way to interact with God's word on your phone, mobile device? John chapter 15. Uh, we are wrapping up a series we've been in entitled Worthy of It All. And we have been examining the hidden treasure of the kingdom, the worthiness, the unmatched worthiness of Jesus, Messiah. And we have been looking at portraits of a fully devoted life. And so that's what this series has been about. And so if you've been following with us, like that's the goal. We wanna point to Jesus and say, he is everything, he is worth everything, and the only way you'll find real life is when you give yourself entirely to him. He is worthy of it all. And we're doing that in this season uniquely because as a church, we are in a, a moment of strategic pivot, missionally. God is, we've been growing nonstop since we began Christ Church eight years ago. We've continued to add services and make room. We had big plans to build a big building on site here, but the cost of that because of interest rates and construction costs and uh, labor delays made that kind of out of reach for us. And as we're seeking the Lord in the middle of that season, he provided for us something we wouldn't have chosen for ourselves, and that is a second campus. And so um, by some providence of the Lord, we have, we have attained a second campus and we are about to become one church in two cities, a multi-site, temporary multi-site strategy for us as a church. And so we are right now renovating a building that is twice the size of what we were planning to build for half the cost. And we are positioning ourselves to continue to grow uh, as a church family and have room for that, but also to fulfill the mission of the kingdom of heaven in a dark part of our community where there are not many uh, life-giving churches. And so we're excited to be on the peninsula in Daytona Beachside where there's 6,000 people within just a short drive and many a walking distance. 
And so it is gonna be a game changer for us as a church. And in order for that to happen, we need everyone who calls themselves part of the Christ Church family to step up and say yes to doing your particular part. We're asking everyone to consider signing up to be part of a service team on a Sunday morning. That is one service once a month. So we're going into this with at least three services in two locations. We're not asking you to serve every service, not asking you to serve every week, one service once a month, but to use the gifts that God has given you in service to other people. And we're also looking to identify who our Daytona Beach launch team is gonna be. A few months back, we asked people to let us know what campus they are likely to attend. It was more of a survey, but this will be an opportunity for you to say, hey, I'm, I'm committed to the Daytona Beach campus and I'm gonna be a part of the team that's going there. So we're gonna begin preparing um, that team and those people and building the teams we need to both continue to do fruitful ministry here in Port Orange with less services, praise them, and also set up a team for Daytona Beach. And so today you're gonna have an opportunity to do three things, to sow, to give a gift, a, a sacrificial offering to help us to do everything that we feel like God wants us to do with that campus now instead of having to phase everything. We have just a little gap on the finances. You're gonna have an opportunity to sign up to serve, to join a team, um, we're asking that everybody participate in this form we're gonna fill out. I'll walk you through it before we're done today. And you can, you can do that. Even if you're serving now, you'll just be telling us where you're serving. You could, maybe you're doing nothing different, but we wanna hear from everyone so we can make sure we have all of our teams established. And then we're, we're just asking everyone to do what God's already called you to do, and that's to share your Jesus story. You wanna sow, serve, and share. You wanna walk out of here with the main character of your life not being you, but being Jesus and your story centers around his saving love for you. And you are compelled by his love to share that good news with other people. And so we want to get good at maybe like sharing your one minute story and forsaking the self checkout and taking advantage of that moment of scanning and asking the person behind the counter, if they know Jesus or if they go to church or ask them about themselves and engaging in a conversation and, and learn how to just, share a little version of your rescue story in just a few passing seconds and you will be shocked because you know the power of God is in the good news about Jesus. Do you know that? And you don't have to be a preacher to share that good news. And you don't have to be a, pa a pastor or a staff of a church to see people give their lives to Jesus in a miracle of faith. And so we wanna be those people that everywhere we go, people are hearing about Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we're gonna sow, we're gonna serve, and we're gonna share. And as we do that, though, I wanna make you aware of the most important reality about you and that which underpins and supports everything that we're seeking to do as one little church in God's big kingdom and one little part um, of the United States. So John chapter 15, verse five. Uh, I'm wearing a wristband. It says, joined with Jesus. John 15, five. This verse has become kind of like a life verse for our church and for me personally and for everybody, when you sign up today and you say yes to uh, serving and being a part of these teams, grab one of these wristbands from there on the way out. I am not a wristband person. I know some of you guys, some of my daughters, they have like wristbands up to here. They have tan lines from their wristbands. I know some cool youth pastors that got wristbands for WWJD and every little organization, they got their wristbands. This is a big deal for me, folks. That's how, that's how I feel right now. I'm like, oh. I feel like that cat you tried to put a costume on, you know, that's trying to back out. That's how I feel. But I'm representing John 15, five, here's what it says. I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, listen to this, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have I've told you this, listen, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How would you like your joy complete today, brothers and sisters? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. God, we thank you for your word that's been read in our hearing. God, I know and I believe it has power to transform us. And so I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear what the spirit of God is saying to each of us. God, open our eyes of faith to see Jesus and to understand this vital union that we have through faith in him. God, I pray today that we would be reestablished, many of us, into a life-giving daily relationship with Jesus by faith, that we would experience fruitfulness and power to love and fullness of joy, and that you would be glorified as we walk with you and love you and obey you and be the people you have made us to be. Holy Spirit, do your work in us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. So this is a big year for Tiffany and I. Um, November 5th, when we have our concert in two weeks, will be um, the anniversary of when I was called into vocational ministry and Tiffany and I's ministry journey began 20 years ago this year. Isn't that awesome? So we're celebrating 20 years of vocational ministry. Um, Last year, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. And so we've had just an, an awesome journey experiencing the faithfulness of God and um, it's just been amazing. We, uh, we were sitting with some friends last night who were engaged and planning their wedding. And uh, our daughter, Meredith, she's, she's fixing to be 12. She is fascinated with all things bridal. So she is our little hopeless romantic. And so she's, she's like peering into the conversation and she wants to know all about it. And we get in the car and she says, uh, Daddy, tell me how you asked mommy to marry you. And she asked because she wanted to hear the story, not because she'd never heard it before. You know what I'm saying? So she wants me to recount the tale as her little cheeks flutter red and flush. Tell me the story, Dad. I want to hear the story. And so I told her the story, but it's a rather embarrassing one because I asked Tiffany to marry me before there was Pinterest and Instagram. And so there weren't an internet plethora of beautiful ideas of ways to do the big ask, you know? And so um, I was forced to do what people did in the early 2000s, and that was ask other real people. Do you remember that? Yeah, no smartphones. I had my Nokia on my belt clip. That's where we were living, all right? And so I remember um, I was, we were ready. We'd been dating for a while. We were ready to be engaged. I had the ring for months, and so 
here, here, here we are, and I'm, I know, okay, this is gonna be the night. It was October the 5th. We just celebrated 22 years since then. And, um, and so I asked Tiffany, I was gonna pick her up, strike that. Um, I, she had a working car, I did not, so she picked me up. And um, she was dressed up, and I was dressed up. I said I was gonna take her to dinner. And I had asked uh, two ladies um, who had been married for decades, and I said, what, what do I need to know? What do I need to do? How do I plan this? And here's the advice that I got. Um, don't ask her to marry you in a restaurant. That was the first thing I got. Is that still ageless advice, ladies? Anybody? No? You're like, eh, whatever. So, um, so that's what I got. And then the second thing was, make sure you ask her in a place that's gonna be there in like three years or five years or 10 years. And that, that turned out to be good advice because the restaurant we ate at is now a bank, right? So that's not very romantic, you know? Wanna mosey in and make a deposit? You know, like, how do you celebrate that? So, so here I am, 20, no, 19, 19 years old, and um, I, I, Tiffany comes to get me. I get in the driver's seat. I'm driving her around, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking for a location that's meaningful and that will be around for a while. And so I'm thinking I'm going to take her to the little beach approach where I grew up, and this little beautiful beach scene is going to be great. You know, in my mind, I imagine it being so like tranquil and amazing. We get down there, the wind's blowing like 60 miles an hour, just <laughs> little sea oats are flapping in the wind. I'm like, okay, this is not going to work. So I'm like back out of there, and I'm driving, and of course she knows she knows something's up. I've asked her to dress nicely. I'm pers- perspiring profusely and looking straight ahead. And so I'm looking for like a place to go. And this is right when the city center in Port Orange had just been kind of like established and all those trees had been planted. It was really pretty. And so I thought, I think there's like a, like a little gazebo out there or a deck that goes out on the lake. And wouldn't that be nice? And so I drive that direction. And um, just as we pull into the city center, just a deluge of rain just starts pouring down rain. And so I'm like, okay. So I keep driving. She's like, where are we going? I made up some crazy cockamamie story about something or other. And then I'm heading to the restaurant and we're on Nova Road and we get to Orange Avenue and Nova Road and we're closing in on the restaurant. And all I'm thinking is you can't ask her in the restaurant. And I'm thinking, I can't eat with a ring in my pocket. So we got to get this thing done. And I look over to my left and there is a memorial gazebo with a flag, no rain, no wind. That's not going anywhere. And so I whip in there and just off the top of my head, that's the, ch- the place we choose. At Tuscawilla Park, that Veterans Memorial is still there. You can visit it today. I would recommend that you go armed. And so we pull over on the side of the road. I walk her up to the middle of the gazebo, and I had written her a letter. This is the meaningful part. I had written her a letter the day we met because I felt like an instant connection. And so I was asking myself that question. Would she be the one, you know? And so I read her this little note that I had written, and then I get down on one knee, and I pull out the ring, and just then, we are surrounded by flying discs because we had set ourselves up in the ninth hole of a disc golf course, and the disc golfers did not clue into what was going on there, and so they just played right through. That's what happened. So I tell my daughter the story, and she goes, what did she say? She said yes, hence your existence, you know? It's funny. It's funny. She loves that story. It's a terribly humiliating story, but um, that's where we were. That's what happened. So it's only gotten better since then. But I tell you what, it isn't the engagement story that makes for a marriage. It isn't even actually the yes and the ring, and it really isn't even actually the reciting of vows on your wedding day, 
it is a lifetime comprised of days and moments where you say yes to each other. Or in love and in faithfulness, you give your yes day after day after day, conflict after conflict, decision after decision, and you keep saying yes. Isn't that true? And the same is true in our reality and our relationship with God. Most of you, if you're here on a Sunday morning, you're in church, there's a moment you can look back to when there was an invitation given to you to put your faith in Jesus, to bring your sins to him and receive his forgiveness and salvation. And you went forward and expressed repentance and said yes to this invitation. And God made his home in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the miracle of regeneration. And that day was a very important yes. But the invitation that we see in John chapter 15 is not one of a moment on a day at a particular time in a particular location when you said a particular thing. This is an invitation into the reality that you were made to have a vital daily connection to God's life-giving spirit through faith in Jesus. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. And this is what I want to encourage us all with today as we prepare to say our little yes, because they're making a little yes. We're signing up maybe to serve on a team you haven't done before, maybe to go to a different campus, maybe to, to, to try a little harder, do a little bit more. Maybe it's to be generous in a way you haven't before, to commit to giving in a way that you haven't before. There's going to be some yeses that are given, but it, this is not the big yes, brothers and sisters. And the big yes isn't just the day you gave Jesus your heart, although that day matters too. What we're being invited into, what Jesus is calling us into, and what John captures for us in John 15 is that there is an, a command that's an invitation from Jesus to abide, to remain, to connect to Jesus and to go nowhere, to stay in his love, with his words in us, and to live every single moment with him unto him. And that is where life is found. That is where joy is discovered and made complete. That is where fruitfulness comes from our life. And that is what we are all about at Christ Church. We are so much about each individual believer being joined with Jesus that we put it on the sign. I'm wearing it on my wrist. The, the central unifying and predominant theme of the whole Bible is the believer's union with God's anointed Messiah, Jesus. And that's what changes everything. Seasons change, cities change, churches change, families change. Jesus never changes. He wants you, he wants all of you, and he wants all of you every single day. Now, I mention this because we have a tendency to get this wrong. And so if you notice, this passage opens with Jesus making an identity statement about himself and then an identity statement about us. I am the vine. You are the branches. Did you see that? This is the seventh time Jesus has said, I am, and filled that in with a direct object. And John builds his gospel around these statements of Jesus, these revelatory statements of Jesus that also make him equal with the Israelite God, Yahweh, I am that I am, Exodus chapter three. He's saying, I am the same one. In fact, seven times Jesus says, I am, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am, I am, I am seven times. He also ends sentences with I am seven times. Before Abraham was, I am, which was a big claim. And the Jews knew what he meant because when he said that, they tried to stone him. 
And so he is making an unequivocal connection between himself and the God of the Jews. He is God with us, the God-man, Jesus, Messiah, and he is the source of life. And we are therefore branches who grafted into him by faith receive life and fruitfulness, and God wants to do a work in us. And so what you're gonna see is identity, purpose, and relationship. Watch it. I am the vine, you are the branches. Identity. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from you, you can do nothing. This fruitfulness is relational. This is about your impact in the world, the connections you have with other people, and what comes out of your life that flows through the love of God. Verse six says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is not a message about hellfire and brimstone. This is not a threat. This is about purpose. A branch disconnected from the vine has no source of life in it and is worth less because it has no purpose. You will not get grapes off of a dead branch. Somebody say amen. And so you get identity, purpose, relationship. Now I want to show you a, an inverted triangle with the word identity at the top. You see this picture? This is, this is a really helpful concept for you to grasp. You need a daily awareness of who you are in Christ in order to walk in the fullness of your purpose and to experience fruitfulness in your relationships. And you set this triangle up on its point because the reality is, unless you daily abide in the vine and establish your identity before God, what tends to happen is our triangle topples over because triangles tend to sit on a flat side a heck of a lot easier than on their point, yes? And so if that thing is to fall left and land on relationships, here's one of the things that happens. We disconnect from a relationship with Jesus that's life-giving and sets our identity, and we take on an identity that flows from a relationship. Spouses do this, where you become Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, and your sense of self is connected to your relationship with another person. Parents do this with their children. You spend all of these years investing in your children, wanting for their best and seeing them flourish. And this is, this is what you become. You are a parent before you are anything else. This happens in relationships with small groups and with churches and with friends. And here's the reality, though, is that relationships, human relationships, do not give life and form identity. And so it, this, this, gives, this works for a little while, but what happens if you as a woman, your identity is only connected to your husband? You are his wife, his, his help me. You are the one who's there for him. You make him a success. What happens when he dies or leaves you worse? Who are you then without him? And there's a crisis of identity. It's also possible for us to fall to the right on that purpose side where we begin to find meaning and fulfillment and identity, not in who God says we are, but in what we're able to accomplish. We as men, we do this all the time with our vocation. In fact, a lot of times when I meet men for the first time, I get two things. What's your name? What do you do? Isn't that what we say, gentlemen? And we get such a sense of self from the job that we have or the career path or the ability to provide for our family or our alma mater, whatever it is that we did that was notable. And so our purpose begins to establish our sense of identity. But the problem is things suddenly and drastically change sometimes. And what happens to you? And I, I, I have this conversation regularly with men when they retire. Man, they're counting the days to retirement. They're telling me, even shifts. I have 19 shifts and I'm free, you know? But something that you don't expect happens the Monday after when you wake up and nobody cares that you exist. Somebody else is now doing your job 
the phone isn't ringing, and the world moved on without you. And a lot of men aren't prepared for the impact that has on them to go, who am I now if I'm not that guy that does that thing? Do you understand how important this is? Now, this happens for men and for women, for young and for old, but we have a tendency to be in search of life and love in places, and oftentimes relationships and purposes present themselves as the first offer of life. And I am here to tell you that there is one vine, and his name is Jesus. And you've got to wake up every day to know who you are in him, to set up your triangle, and to recognize that until you are who God says you are, you will not be able to relate properly to the world. One of the things that happens when we get this wrong is that if I need my wife to be a certain thing for me in order for me to feel a certain way about myself, when she doesn't, I become resentful. I become angry. I have unhealthy expectations. I'm giving her too much power. She's a wonderful woman. She's a terrible Jesus. And the same is true for our purpose. If you're going to, even, even some of us, we get so wrapped up in it. We, we hate our job. It pays the bills. We're miserable. And it's, it's our church. That's where we find life. And it's where we serve. And I am an usher in my church. And that's what makes me feel like a success. What happens when I go, I don't need you to usher. I need you to park cars, new campus, put a vest on. I don't know how to be that person. I'm losing something. Why are you taking this from me? Do you see the, because it's, it's never meant to give you life, but we do this in a million ways. And I'm not here to tell you which way you do it. I'm just here to tell you it's a universal people problem. And we've got to learn to set our sense of identity in Jesus. Here's the reality. All of us are on a search asking these three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where do I fit in? Middle schoolers are asking that question. Retirees are asking that question. Married couples are asking that question. Singles are asking that question. Who am I? Why am I here? And where do I fit in? And if you can't take that question to Jesus first, you are set up for failure. And so let me help you out. Go to the vine. Abide in the vine. Recognize, listen, brothers and sisters, here's here's just a taste of what the scripture says about you in Jesus. I am born of God. I'm a child of God. I am a saint I am Christ's friend. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a child of light. I am chosen by God. I am reconciled to God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am part of the temple of God. I am one spirit with Jesus. I'm a member of Christ's body. I am free from condemnation. I am God's masterpiece. I am redeemed and forgiven. I am a new creation. I'm a member of a royal priesthood. I am a partaker of a heavenly calling. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am a child of promise. Those things are true about you every day, whether you walk in that reality or not, and they don't change if your job does or your spouse does or your kids let you down or your body is inflicted with pain or disease. These things stay true because this is who you are in Jesus. And so we got to be people. The most important thing about us is that we are joined with Jesus. That's who I am. That's everything I've got going for me. And I tell you what, when I am, when I am connected to Jesus, first and foremost, I can be a great pastor. And I can also be reassigned without it destroying my life. I can be a better husband when I'm not trying to suck life out of my wife and find meaning through what she thinks of me because it's not pretty sometimes. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so we've got to learn to give all that we do 
to make much of Jesus and to be who he says he, he is. That's when we're gonna be fruitful. That's when it's gonna flow. That's when the joy is gonna come and the love's gonna come and the power's gonna come and the fruitfulness is gonna come. And when that happens, we'll be able to look back and go, that was all him. That wasn't me. I didn't do that. I'm not that good of a pastor. I'm not that good of a husband. I'm not that good of a wife. I'm not that good of a whatever your job is, but Jesus is. And so I'm walking with him and he's bringing about the fruitfulness. Now, I'm gonna walk you through these two things we're gonna do. I'm gonna do that quickly. And then I'm gonna release you to fill out this form. I'm gonna want everyone to do it before you leave today. So the first thing is the offering. Um, we're not using... We're not using uh, velvet lined golden plates or boots or buckets or hats. We're not collecting any offering at all. Around here, we give intentionally, and so we put it in boxes. It's between you and God. There's no social pressure. Whoop, whoop, that's how we do. And so here's what I'm asking. I'm asking for you to ask Jesus, King Jesus, what he wants you to do with the saved money you have and how, you, he, how much of that he wants you to contribute to the purpose of what he's doing right now. He's the only one that can tell you that, nobody else. And so the question then becomes, how much? So you should be listening to the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Bible says about how much. Are you ready? Here's what it says. It doesn't tell you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly, puts a little seed in the ground, will reap sparingly. You get a little bit of plants out of the ground. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What you put in, you get out. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's why there's no collection. For God loves a cheerful giver. Why is it cheerful? Because it's from your heart to his heart. This is resentment-proof giving. If you've ever given and wished you hadn't later, you didn't do it with a cheerful heart. You did it with an expectation. Somebody say amen. And it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Does it sound like God needs any help? Sounds like he's got everything covered and he's inviting us to participate. Skip down to verse 10. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will, two things, supply, doesn't everything come from him? and multiply. God does amazing, miraculous multiplication. Your seed for sowing and increases the harvest of your righteousness. And so he does a move on the inside of you, not just in your checking account, but in your heart also. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And so whatever it is that God puts in your heart to give and to contribute and to help us to, to uh, finish this project, Listen to him and do it and then watch the miracle that he does in you and through you. And so if you're giving a separate check today, if you write say yes in the memo, we'll know to put it aside for that and take it not from the regular offerings. And if you're giving online, end your gift with 24 cents. If you do text to give or if you do online giving, if you end it with 24 cents, that'll designate it that it's for Say Yes Sunday in this one-time special offering. That is what I wanna say about that. And then I wanna give everyone a chance to fill out this form and because we are in the 21st century and because you do have your iPhone, and I know that you've been on Facebook already in service. It's fine. Um, we have a QR code for you. Here it is. I'm put this QR code. This is gonna link a brief form, so simple for you to fill out. So if you have your phone, you open your camera. Do you guys know how this works? Have you eaten at P.F. Chang since COVID? No? Okay, so you open your phone, point it at the QR code. It'll automatically, a little yellow bubble. It'll either open in your web browser or if you have our app on your phone, it'll open in Church Center and then you can fill out this form. And here's what this form says. This is our goal. Let me tell you what to expect. We're looking for every person to serve on any team at either location, one service once a month, unless you prefer to serve more. Some of you just can't get enough of us around here, and you're welcome to help out more than that. 
but we're only asking everyone to serve one service once a month. We're gonna go in with three, possibly four, but only one service is what we're looking for. We need your first and last name, and since you're putting it in, it'll be spelled right. Uh, your email address and phone number. And then it asks the question, are you currently serving on a Sunday morning team? You can say yes or no, and that helps us to know who's gotten back to us and who, how many new volunteers we have. Then you're gonna answer which campus you'll attend. If you're gonna stay in Port Orange, just tell us you're gonna stay in Port Orange and we'll make sure you're on a team here. If you're going to Daytona, this will signify who's part of our Daytona launch team. And if you wanna be a part of what God's doing in Daytona for six or 12 months and only commit to that before you come back to Port Orange, you can do that by designating which campus you'll be at, Daytona Beach at six months or 12 months. And then you'll see little sections, the main sections where we need help and where you can use your gifts for the good of other people. All of Christ Church kids, from checking in new families to serving by caring for babies, adorable Nora and Hazel, you might get to hold them. Pre-K, the little toddlers, um, so three and four-year-olds, toddlers. You can be a group leader where you take a group of grade school kids, second and third grade, fourth and fifth grade, and you take them from one little room to the next where they do worship, Bible, crafts, or games. Or if you wanna stay put and do the same thing with those kids as they come, you can be a station leader. Or you can just let us know you'll serve wherever you're needed. Then we have our host team. This is parking, greeters, usher, communion, cafe. Everybody loves the coffee people. Can I get an Amen. Life safety, there's the worship team, musician, vocalist, altar ministry is also a part of worship ministry. And then for our tech team, audio, projection, lighting, live stream. And then you just need to let us know where your, what your current service is. So here you are at 1030, that'll probably be 1030, but maybe you're just here because you're going to lunch and you're typically here at noon. I don't know, that's why it's in here. But the future service times are gonna be different, and so you can let us know what service time would work better for you, nine or 11, and then you can answer this question about your familiarity with plan, planning center. If you know it, let us know. If you don't, we'll help you get trained. And that's it. You hit submit, that goes in and that form is submitted. And then we can take all of that information and we can start to build a team and to strategize and to do what God has called us to do as a church. Now, this may seem like a big deal for some of you. This may be brand new. This, you've never served on a team. You've never worked with kids. Your heart might be beating a little faster. I'm telling you, when you engage in obedience with Jesus, here's what you can experience. Love and joy and peace and fruitfulness. And this is what I want for you. Listen, I'm gonna close right here, but listen. Jesus in the Gospels and then the New Testament writers, they speak about the church of Jesus in seven ways. And they move from um, inanimate to intimate. The Bible talks about the church of Jesus being like a city with citizens. It talks about the church of Jesus being like a temple with bricks or rocks. It talks about the city as a, or the people of God as a flock with a shepherd. It talks about um, it talks about the vine and branches, which you looked at, we looked at. It talks about a family that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And then it talks about a body with Christ as our head. That's pretty connected. But the most intimate picture of the body of Christ is that of a bride and a groom. Do you know that? You know, there's a yes that you said when you gave Jesus your life. And maybe that even happened today in this service. Maybe you said, I've never done that. And I, I wanna give my yes to Jesus for the first time. This is all culminating, brothers and sisters, after this engagement period with a wedding feast and a perfect world that God is making a place for you to be in forever. And the invitation for him 
is to say yes to him every single day, to be who he says you are, to find the purpose he put you on this planet for, and to be the person the world needs you to be. And is that something you can say yes to? I invite everybody to say amen. God, thank you for your work in us and thank you for your work through us. We're giving you our best yes. And God, I pray that you would get all the glory and that you would bring great fruitfulness in the days to come. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, if you didn't use your screen, you need help. Our, our staff and host teams can help you fill out the form in the lobby on a computer. You can get full access help right now. And if you're super old school, I love you so much. I made paper copies for you. And so don't leave without filling out the form. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for Sunday Fun Day.